Hey, PT listeners, we've been working on something special at Tier 11, something that I can say without exaggeration or without hesitation will produce better ad optimization and increased conversions and have a profound impact on the amount of data you can send back to all your ad platforms. That includes Meta, that includes TikTok, that includes Google, and we call it X-Ray Tag. And it's only available to Tier 11 customers. A lot of businesses think that it's Black Friday, it's the holiday season, and once they actually get through that, then they'll worry about next year. Well, now is the time for you to start gathering all the data that you can to set yourself and your business up for success in 2024. X-Ray Tag replaces all the potpourri of pixels, cappies, cookies with one single implementation that sends higher quality first-party data back to all your ad platforms. In fact, in our early testing, we've seen a 40 to 100% increase in event matching quality, aka EMQs in Meta, which translates into better ad optimization and increased conversions. So if you feel like your ads are flying blind, head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray to get early access. Clients to sign up before the end of the year, move to the front of the line, and we are only offering this for the PT listener like yourself. So head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray. Don't miss out. Hello, and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting-edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. And none of that really matters, Kasim, if you don't have attribution. And today is an attribution show because we have the world's authority. Once again, I don't know how we get these guests, like the best in the world, you Google it, the world's authority on attribution on today's show, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, that's what it's all about. How you doing, pal? I'm living the dream, pal. How you doing? You're good. Good. I, yeah, I know you're like in the Super Bowl hangover. Yeah, you, I'm a big Super Bowl fan, Ralph. I was glued to my screen. You were like a bouncy house, weren't you? I was at a trampoline park with my <laughs> kids. That's, here's a sub nugget for our listeners. You can go anywhere during the Super Bowl and there will be no people there, like Disneyland, Disney World, Six Flags. If you don't care and it's not of interest to you, or if it's not that big a deal, seize that opportunity. Yeah. So there's this bouncy house near our house that's just jam-packed. And I hate it. I hate crowds. And I brought my kiddos there and we had the run of the place to ourselves. It was amazing. That's sick. The reason I mention it is that the Super Bowl was held in, like, literally in your backyard. Yeah, it was right next door. Yeah. Was it in your backyard? Little? It was in my backyard. It yeah. was. That whole Glendale Stadium. And I bought early. I got in. It's a big yard. Yeah. Just me and the farmers. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful stadium though. Go. Yeah, we've had the Super Bowl twice in the last decade. They keep giving it to us. I don't know why. Uh, the first two times were with Patriot Super Bowls, who our guest here today is a ravenous, raving Patriot fan, as am I. The first one we don't talk about because that was the one where we lost to the Giants the first time, I believe. But the second one was the uh, was the Malcolm Butler miracle. Yeah, Good the ball. miracle on the goal line. Pretty good stuff. I love how reverent you both just got, by the way. Like this was a moment. This was a moment shared by New Englanders. And now they're bowing at the same time for our listeners. This just got a little, if I'm being honest, I'm uncomfortable. It is. It is. And two into the Pats. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We don't want to talk about them now because they suck. So wait, hold on. Here's a question. Why are they the Pats? That is phonetically incorrect. They should be the Pates. Who greenlit this? Because that sounds like Peyton Manning, and he was just, I, yeah, he was the mortal enemy. So that's probably the reason why. Yeah, I but don't they've know. been the Pats longer than Peyton Manning's yeah, been alive. That's true. Yeah. Is it just the Boston thing, like the accent? Yeah, I've never even thought to call him anything else. That's not- I'm here to tell y'all that Hooked on Phonics did not work for the northeastern part of the United States, because y'all are not. Oh, we do I don't pronounce how the anything. You're going to find that out in this show. If you need a translator, like if you're watching this on YouTube, I would definitely get the subtitle thing going when Scott starts talking. If you're not from the Northeast, because uh, yeah, we're going to go into some real Boston speak (laughs) here today. But if you can uh, learn, this will save your life in a bar fight. Just so you know. (laughs) Certainly will. Oh. Yeah. So today we're going to be finding attribution all day today. Not all day, Scott. It's not an all day show. It's really only 34 minutes. It is if you're good. If you can hold the bar high, we won't stop recording. Yeah. Like we said. Boris, we're going to cut and run. Yeah. Like we said on the pre-record, if you (laughs) suck, we're we're pretty much done in 15 minutes. But if you're good, we linger for 40 minutes or so. We might even make it a two-parter if it's really good. Although some people don't like that for some reason, Custom. I don't know. I don't know, man. I think I disagree with those people. Respectfully stated, we love your feedback. Perpetual listeners, you can go to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash 
us better mm -hmm. and tell us what we can do better. And we review every submission, but we don't always agree with all of them. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but we do take them under advisement and incorporate them into the show because we love you, the Perpetual Traffic listener. We love you so much that we offered Scott the opportunity to give his nugget. Scott, what do you got for us? Sure. For me, with marketing and attribution, I think it's most important to use first-party data, in particular your CRM data, to determine where prospects are in your funnel. Too many times people rely on the ad pixel to sort that out, or they're hoping that their targeting is working correctly and moving people through the funnel. But we find from looking at, we've been doing this forever, tens of billions of ad spend and revenue tracked, that a number one way to scale that gives you an edge that competition likely doesn't have when they're looking in the Facebook ad manager or their platform of choice is that top and middle of the funnel is where you make the big bucks and you need CRM data to really sort that out. But most people don't think of it that way. And therefore they're leaving a ton of money on the table, in my opinion. Scott, do you have a CRM of preference of choice? Which one's your favorite to work with? Uh, well, for B2B, I like HubSpot. Yeah. For B2C, I used to love yeah. Infusionsoft. <laughs> You used to work used for to a consultant but, for, uh, for a while. I used to use the ads to fly me in to consult on analytic projects for them. But I, there, there's a couple of really good ones. Clavio, MailChimp, mm. ActiveCampaign, all solid. Yep. They all do similar stuff, a little bit different. Clavio is the runaway one that's most prevalent mm. for e-com. Yeah. People love ActiveCampaign, though. They really do. They love see, we see a ton of that now. Entreport is underrated. Entreport does a lot of nice stuff now. They're under the radar. Yeah, I like the CEO of Entreport. I was an Entreport user for a brief period, and he was, I forget his name now, but he was so accessible. Landon Ray. He's awesome. Yeah. I, dude, I love founders that you can get in front of. This is the go high level guy, Sean. Yeah. Dude, I see Sean like jumping into support forums. He's got, I don't know what, 50,000 users now. And in Facebook, he's responding to like random ad hoc. Oh, the fun's not working on my email template. And there's Sean just, just being 100% hands. I, I, don't know how he, I don't know how he can support that, to be honest with you. I don't know how he does it still. But I felt that way about yeah. the Entreport cat too. Jumps in every now and then. I did a HubSpot chat the other day. I was unhappy with the response time. So I got in there and responded to a few. Scott does that. <laughs> Lead by example. Oh yeah, I don't know. I was just like, good for some, you. Some hot prospect, and I was like answering integration questions. Yeah. So we've got lots of nuggets here for you here today on love, life, and attribution, and we're going to get into the attribution portion of it right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Was your Black Friday Cyber Monday not quite as great as you wanted it to be? Did you feel like you were leaving money on the table? You knew you could have made more sales, but you just didn't know where that money was lying on the table? Well, it's probably because you have some blind spots in your business. We here at Perpetual Traffic want to make 2024 your best year ever. And now is the time to plan for it and set yourself up for 2024. It is not after the first of the year because by the time you actually start doing your planning after January 1st, you've already missed a month. So get that planning done now and do it on us. We are giving away 10 free audits, which goes through all of your ad platforms, all the platforms that you're spending money on right now, or maybe the ones that you're maybe not spending money on, but we feel that there is a great opportunity for you to spend and scale and grow. We'll also look at everything after the click for your CRO, your conversion architecture, as we call it. We'll even analyze your email sequences. And most importantly, we'll look at your data how you're actually capturing visitors' information, and how it's tracking all the way to your CRM or whatever your source of truth is. And we do this through a comprehensive audit where we rate each section of your customer acquisition path, give you a rating, and then give some recommendations as to what you should do in order to have 2024 be the best year ever. Now, we're only going to offer this for 10 lucky businesses in the month of December. Okay, that's it. That's the only capacity that we have. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash audit. Fill out the form and let's make 2024 the best year ever. All right, we are here with the world's expert authority on attribution 
And if you don't know what attribution is, it's an important thing. Maybe we should maybe just level set where you have to assume that everybody knows what attribution is, but maybe this is their first show here. Okay, give us your spin on what attribution is and why it is actually so important. And oh, by the way, Scott is the CEO and founder of Wicked Report, so he does have a vested interest in this whole thing, which by the way, Tier 11 does use Wicked Reports. We use a lot of third-party attribution tool, but Scott, tell us about attribution and why it's important to the listener. So the whole point of attribution is to tell you what's working and what's not working in your marketing. So you can do more of what's working and cut the spend from where it's not panning out. And that in a nutshell is the whole reason why you should care. Now that opens a Pandora's box of good and bad opinions on that, attribution models, time windows, lookbacks, all sorts of technical jargon. But at the end of the day, this, it's unlikely that you're nailing all your ad spend. It's just even you guys being skilled media buyers, I'm sure you do quite well, but there's going to be some where the message doesn't hit, the targeting wasn't quite right, or some combination of factors. And if attribution can help you quickly identify where the money is not working so you can, and where the money is, more importantly, really returning a high ROAS, so you can double, triple down on that spend and grow the revenues of the business you're trying to grow. It's interesting to actually hear your definition, just because it's like everybody states it differently. But in essence, like what you're describing is a perfect world. If I knew exactly how much my Facebook ads were making me or like where they were in the whole journey, I would just double down on those ads or whatever it happens to be. But there's always going to be a black hole. There's always going to be attribution that people are just not going to know. You're never going to really know with 100% accuracy. Or am I just living in a fantasy world because you've got some whiz-bang solution that you thought up? through Wicked Reports. Scott has AI, Ralph. <laughs> I do have Lisbane solutions. I have AI. I just typed into chat DPD and threw it into a support ticket, so we have AI now. <laughs> you might have AI, but I have two eyes, so who's really winning this race? I need to be prepped on these gems ahead of time. Well, the thing with that, trying to get 100% accuracy is that's not really the goal to track every single loader. The goal for me and for our, to satisfy our customers is that they are getting more value than what they're paying us for this data because we're creating data from their data. And it has to be, in our case, our like wicked godfather offer is we're going to 5x what you pay us. And the reason for that is we're going to find waste and redeploy it. And it doesn't involve having to get every single touch point because from the data we get, it's a model of how generally people are, their customer journey and their conversion path. So if you track enough of the data that you can give you advice and insights that you act on and get either less wasted spend or more revenue for your dollars, then the data is doing its job, even if it didn't track every single click. Or so at or, the end of the day, it's always directional, really. I think that the mature yes. marketer, and we've talked about attribution a lot on this show let's not get ourselves especially when the ios 14 thing hit like i think every show was on attribution but it really is directional at the end of the day I and mean, you're never going to know exactly what dollars are coming from where but it's the overall what do you call it marketing efficiency ratio media efficiency ratio that's really how mature marketers really do look at things especially in an online world or if you're merging the two together if you're offline and online like we have a customer, we did a case study here on that we got 315 cases, signed cases in four months for their personal injury law firm at like a $1,600 cost per signed case. But they also do Super Bowl ads. They do billboards. They do newspaper advertising. They do spreads in like the local penny pinchers, like that kind of stuff. So there's, it's everywhere, but we were attributing it to our ads. But we also know that's not entirely accurate. And there's always going to be that. But they, as a mature marketing organization, look at it and say, okay, what's my marketing efficiency ratio or my media efficiency ratio? What's my overall spend? And then what am I getting from it? I think as a marketer, you want to ultimately get to that spot, really. And I think the things that you do with and other third-party tools help direct you for the right media in the right place, but it's never going to be a perfect world. Or am I just completely under a delusional spell? 
Well, until we get AI that can determine you drove by a billboard and therefore bought, yeah, you're not going to be able to track that. You know who I think will be able to track it? And tell me if y'all think this is a reasonable thought exercise. Apple. If you think about Apple's permeation from a usage perspective, Apple's got my watch, my phone, my tablet, my laptop, my computer. It's listening. It, it has the origin of all web traffic. So Apple really does have the ability to, if they wanted to get into the attribution game, they could give you the entirety. And Apple users only use Apple, period, full stop. And they're all logged into their Apple user ID. You have to be in order to use an Apple device. Don't you have a Google they, Pixel phone? I don't use Apple. <laughs> yeah. No, I got a Galaxy, got the Flip. Oh. Things amazing. I'm all Google because I'm not a big Apple guy. <laughs> but I'd be untrackable, but I agree with you. They have literally a timeline of everything you're doing and where you are. Like those New York Times articles that do digital privacy. And they were able to show, hey, you've been going to this. There's something wrong with your eye. You've been going to that. You've stopped to the eye doctor twice. And the lady was like, oh, my God. So they can track. They could get a pretty solid timeline. Of well, I mean, what you're describing is Google, too. Cosmo, I mean, we talked about this many yeah, times. Google, the issue with Google, to be honest with you, is Google is usurpable in some instances. They have Android, which is the largest operating system on the planet, but it's not the most important. Apple still has the most important operating system on the planet because demographically and psychographically, they're more affluent users as a ubiquitous truth. Your influentials, your first movers, and your affluent users are all using Apple devices, adjusted for margin of error, of course, present company excluded. So Google's attribution... I think can be solved at the hardware level if you had a cohesive and consistent ecosystem with the way that Apple does. And maybe this is too much of a departure. I don't mean to derail, but I think it's a really valuable thought exercise because it gives the listener an understanding of, oh, this is where the problem is. Because when I start my browsing experience, I start on somebody else's device. I'm on Samsung's device or I'm on Apple's device or whatever. And then from the device, I access a browser. And then from the browser, I access a site. And so now I have three points of disassociation all of which need to be strung together in order for the end user in this instance is what I'm talking about as the marketer to understand who you are and where the hell you came from. And that's those links are breaking more and more every single day. And I think that's really the big problem with attribution. And maybe that leads me to the question, which is how do you solve that, Scott? Like how does Wicked Reports see what other people can't see? Like analytics can't see it. Google ads can't see it. Facebook can't see it. How come y'all can see it? You know, they have a trillion dollars. I don't think the problem is you need 400 touch points for your $100 sale. Because think about how much data that is. So everyone always says they need to track more stuff. I don't think you know if you necessarily need to track more stuff. You need to track the most important stuff. Not all of it. Because imagine you're selling a $100 item and you got 100 touch points. It's a simple math there. A buck a touch point. And let's say Facebook really drove so, Facebook at the top of the funnel and Google at the bottom. But there's only five of the 100 touch points. It's going to take a long time to get ROAS positive on that. So I deviated from that approach early because the barrier to entry, the barrier to success for us to answer your question was we had to be able to prove our results so we start with a real order id level attribution i got patents pending in this stuff it's either we have a payment or an order or we're not going to give it revenue credit we're going to look back from there and then use every trustworthy data point we have. And then you fill in the blanks. Dude, that is brilliant. So you reverse engineer your attribution. We go go back instead of That's actually the only way you could do it, right? Because otherwise there's just too much information to sift through. Our original origin story, getmainlobster.com, he spent five grand on Facebook. This is 2014 or 13. And we had all this crazy UTMs we had to do back then. We don't need to do that as much now. And I jammed him into the CRM and then we just looked at, because the guy emailed like three, four times a week. And e-commerce people are like, oh, I don't really, I don't really use a CRM. I'm like, you're crazy. There's so much money to be made. It's mind blowing. And so he would email people over and over again. And then we found that he made eight to one once it had been three months. And so we did that because we had order ID data. We looked back to see the clicks that closed the sale, which was email and SMS a lot of the time. But then we're like, how did he get an email or SMS? What was paid traffic that got them there and nurtured them along and kept it on the radar? So how do we, which touch points there do we use? So we looked at what made them get into the CRM to begin with, because that's a big conversion. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to give my email and I'm going to get retargeted everywhere. I'm going to get emails and SMSs. So that's a big, it's a micro conversion. But if you can't get the sale, particularly if it's a higher priced item, like 100, 200 bucks, I'm not going to just see an ad and immediately buy often. That's not something I'm off. I'm going to do much. And 
I buy a lot of stuff, 100 to 300 bucks for whatever reason. And so when that price point in particular, there's more consideration. So there's conversion points along the way that we would go back and again, verify it against the CRM. Or if it's cold traffic, we verify that click was before they were in his CRM. He uses Klaviyo because then we know it's really cold. Because all this stuff, hey, it's cold traffic. I closed them. And it's like, I love when people say that. It's like somebody woke up inspired to just search for my exact product, buy my brand name, and then purchase the damn thing today. Yeah. So in what, in what reality has that ever happened to you? Nobody's ever done that in the history of no, the internet. Never. So we rely, so we say, how do we verify that the cold, warm, and hot, top, middle, bottom funnel? So we at least steer you that way. Then we, that's a directional thing by channel, by campaign, by ad. But also, if we're going to tell you it's top of the funnel, I want to be able to look you in the eye and be like, this was definitely cold traffic. That's why the ROAS is slower now, lower to start, but you keep spending. And then we're going to track all that lifetime value. If it hits a recharge, how are we going to be able to then show you astronomical ROAS over time when the cold traffic starts repeat buying? And so we did, that's what we chose our line in the sand. I got visuals I'll show you, but it's, they couldn't be in the CRM or in the Shopify or Woo or whatever. That's cold top of the funnel. They got to be purely unknown to your brand or they can't be top. Dude, starting with the point of purchase and working backwards, that's wicked smart. See what I did there, guys? I'm pandering. <laughs> I'm pandering. Terrible. It's horrible. But here's what's really interesting about that is that actually, and I know running Wicked Reports, that's the way Wicked Reports works. I think that's a paradigm everybody should assume. You should assume that in your CRM. Instead of trying to take all of the data that you're capturing and everything, right? In your CRM, in your first-party data, in analytics, and then figure out what it does, we'll go to the users that are doing the thing you want them to do and then reverse engineer those actions. Yes. Dude, I think, Scott, if anybody who paid attention to that tip just made a ton of money. If you're a CMO or a director of marketing or a business owner, I, I know that's not like a sexy conversation. It's not like the hack. But to, yeah, I was to data nerds, right? For entrepreneurs, are like, just what button do I press? Show me the button. But man, that's a really brilliant way to build a marketing engine. Go find the customers that are your lighthouse customers, the ones that you want over and over and over and over again, and reverse engineer their customer journey. And you do that through data, but you do that through messaging, you do that through offers, you do that through pricing, you do that for products. I'm going to meditate on that for a million years, dude. I think that was a really brilliant way for you to approach building the business you built. And I think one of the interesting things, though, is with Wicked Reports, having been a user for God knows how long have we actually known each other. 2015, man. Was you, we haven't known you longer than that. Betty Rocker. What was she, 2015? When we started this podcast. The Betty Rocker. Yeah. Is the attribution goes back into perpetuity. That's still the case. So that's still the case for top and middle of the funnel. Bottom of the funnel, only perpetuity if you close a subscription sale. So for middle funnel, what we realized for the perpetuity, I'll use it for the perpetuity, top of the funnel. Well, back with the Betty Rocker, any info biz, you're doing content, then you're getting them to join your list for some whatever you're trying to do. That was a big conversion. So we hold on to that challenge point, that whatever, to say Facebook got this cold traffic sale. We do it with e-com too. And then if we ever see a sale in the future, we put revenue credit back. And never, you never have to, there's no short window because you earn that initial trust back then. So we have people come in and the same for an agency or media buyer, you come in and you look at your top of the funnel traffic and you, wow, I got 80 grand in sales from this ads I don't even have running. Yeah, because you earned that traffic a couple months ago or who knows, a year ago, and they're still buying. They're buying now and the brand owner needs to know, oh yeah, this came from delayed conversions. Mm. There's this time lag that throws off attribution. Some other attribution platforms, which shocks me, Hyros included, they have 30-day first-click window. So their first click is reporting on only 30 days back. I can show you brands with tens of millions of dollars first clicks so longer than 30 days. So they're misreporting the first, I don't know what they're doing, but you need a longer than a 30-day window for first click often, even though nobody likes that, it's not sexy. Oh, look at all these people that closed that took 60 days. Everyone's like, oh, you stink. No, those people just take time to buy. They're busy. I got kids vacation next week. I ain't going to buy anything next week. It's called human nature. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's just the reality of what's happening. So why don't people look at things this way? What is it? Is it just that anything past the 30-day window, it's irrelevant to me, even though 
a lot of people buy 31 days and backwards onward. It's, is it just the immediacy effect? What? Because this we come up against this all the time. Why is it that people don't take that longer view? Is it because they don't have the cash reserves? Is it like, what's the biggest thing standing in the way of taking that longer view and understanding that attribution is not a, whoa, one click sale, like a one-to-one ratio. It's never going to be that way unless you have, I don't know, the, we always say the cure for cancer, but still the cure for cancer is going to take some consideration content, some, some brand awareness content, like you got to educate yeah. them. So there's going to be attribution yeah. there too. So throw that one out the window. But the point is like, why don't people even look at it this way? I think a part of it is people got grew up on Google Analytics, which always said, hey, here's who, what, who's how you got your customers. And they were used to seeing it that way. Oh, look, I had these sales. I go to Google Analytics. I see the sales. And until someone actually went and looked at it and tried to suss it out against the shopping cart and figure out, hey, this pixel isn't really accurate. I think that's just the start. I also, entrepreneurs, like the ones we deal with, Get Main Lobster being our origin story. He literally makes 7 to 10 million on these delayed conversions. So he... Wicked reports exist because his customers take time to buy and he still will be like, I got ROI fast. <laughs> and he's literally the origin story. People just don't like delayed gratification. They don't like it at anything, really. It's like the gym. It's like eating healthy. No one likes, everyone likes the magic pill. Is it just a simple matter of like having cash reserves to survive while you're waiting for your potential would-be customer to buy from you? had this conversation with one of our biggest customers two weeks ago, live, in person. Like, they expected the money to come in from, like, November and December, and then they have a very seasonal product. January, February is their slow months. And they're like, oh, you you guys need to, like, ramp up the ads because nobody's buying it because it's a warm weather product. Like, you should be scaling back your ads. But... Like you shouldn't be going out of business because you need 11 sales per day. You should have used the cash reserve that you got from November and December or had something ahead of that. Like that's business sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if he's listening to this podcast, he he already knows what I told him. But the point is, it's just that simple. Like you have to have the stockpile of cash in order to wait for your customer to buy. And that's what leads to a lot of these like immediacy and ROI on the front end. Just entrepreneurs probably driving you crazy and as agency owners driving us crazy, quite honestly. Someone had an example of meditation will work, but Xanax is worth 20 billion. People just say, oh, I can take a pill. You mean I'm going to be a better person long-term? This is like the greatest thing ever to do. I used to teach meditation weekend away things. I was, I'm yeah. still way into it. But the idea of just taking a pill and your problems go away. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's more psychology than cash reserve management. Because yeah, we have cohort reporting that shows the value. We run CRM versus cart analysis and say, here's how long people are taking to buy historically. This is the model for cold traffic. And most people are two to four weeks, the cold traffic. It's usually two to four weeks or longer. It's rarely, hey, everyone buys in the first week of every year, unless it's like the energy drink mm-hmm. prime. <laughs> Logan Paul, my son begging me for that shit. $8 for a can of Gator- Gatorade. <laughs> Fastest growing energy drink in history. Yeah, it is, man. So I think it's more psychology that it's just not, it's just not as sexy or, uh, but Slow and steady wins the race. This is, you can win. I mean, we have a lot of brands win big. Our case study with Umzu, they start spending, you know, they were a top 10 YouTube spender. They're a recurring supplement brand. So they know, spend a ton on top. And when they're still negative, but approaching positive, they start just spending with both hands because of the recur. And because they know, hey, three months out, I'm going to make, maybe not 3X, some people don't retain, but I'm going to make 2.5X. So now they keep stacking up months like that, like compound interest, and now they just murder it. So it's a lot of economic understanding your numbers, really, at the end of the day. Yeah. Understanding your I numbers. I mean, this isn't really a, a, a sexy attribution you know, conversation here. It's more like just basics of business. Like you have to understand how much you're willing and able to pay to acquire a customer. And understanding that typically it's lots of touch points. Casa might say it's 500. I might say it's seven. It's somewhere in between there. It's more than one. I know that. 
And even if you've got a great product with a great price at the zero moment of truth and an in-market audience, chances are you're probably going to have a couple of different ways in which to measure that sale. And it's not just one click and then buy. So we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit more about attribution and some of the secret, highly, how would you describe some of the features in Wicked Reports? Super uh, a way to capture the hidden middle funnel data that'll help you connect the dots between your channels and scale. And when we come back, we are going to piece together the hidden middle of funnel, which is where most people lose their way in attribution. They really don't know what happens in between the first touch and the last click. And we're going to get into that right after this quick break. You know why most agencies fail in the first 30 days? Well, they don't do the work beforehand. And they realize once they start managing ad accounts and doing all the things that working alongside businesses like yours in order to get you the results that you want, they waste a whole lot of time in the first 30, 60, 90 days, and they're fumbling around in the dark. That's because they have not used what we do over at Tier 11, what we refer to as the strategic growth plan. Now, a strategic growth plan is a deep dive into what has gone on inside your ad accounts and your business with all the important financial metrics that you need in order to scale and grow. We analyze all that, come up with a plan that's 30, 60, 90 days out, and then we use that as our game plan once we start actively managing ads, once we start doing our creative research, once we start doing all our after-the-click extensive tracking on dev, but the plan is the key. And if you have an agency that is failing you right now, it's probably because they don't have a plan. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So get your strategic growth plan over at tier11.com. Hit the big pink button, fill out the application, and we'll be in touch with you on how we can help you scale and grow your business through getting more customers and increasing their lifetime value. That's all we do at Tier 11. Head on over to tier11.com. Get your growth plan today. All right. Welcome back. We are the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. Did you know that, Custom? That's the name of this podcast here. Perpetual what? Traffic. Yeah. Dude, no wonder I couldn't find it online. I was looking for Custom's Awesome Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we were, at one point, uh, we were considering changing the name, but because we're a lot more than just traffic. We are talking traffic here. We're really marketing. But anyway, as soon as we change our logo and put Cosm's face on there, we're well, just going to go like crazy decline. Yeah, hold on to this app until <laughs> you do that, please. <laughs> Don't publish this. I want his grill, not yours on there. So if you've stayed with us this long, either you have subtitles on your YouTube, but hopefully you've been able to understand translate what Scott has been saying. Scott is from Maine. Even though he has a Boston accent, he's from Maine. And it's a little known fact. People in Maine have worse Boston accents than people in Boston, like me. So, or better, Ralph, depending on how you're characterizing it's it. It's worse, really. It's just horrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's a it's terrible terrible. Accent. Yeah, no, you don't even literally no, know what they're yeah. saying. Throw a couple of <laughs> beers in Scott. He's, he's speaking in tongues. I don't even know what he's saying. I can't even figure it out. <laughs> My dad was on. We're going to be on the show Downey's Dickering. Did you just curse notice. at us, Scott? It was a real- <laughs> explicit rating on no, podcast. It's a show on History Channel. I don't know why it was on History Channel either, but these people in Maine that make their living from Uncle Henry's newspaper printout, people trade stuff. We'll trade my snowmobile for a gun. There's a common listing. (laughs) Sounds like Maine. And like he'll get on and he was going to be on there. He had an antique business to get trading. They were going to come and they, their job is to start cheap and trade their way up to make more money. Yeah, I saw Dwight Schrute do this. He took a thumbtack and he made it a telescope and then magic beans. Yeah, stuff like that. So he was going to be on the reality show for that, but he didn't want to get on it because he afraid that he knew the guy and he's afraid he's going to get screwed over on TV. So he wouldn't do it. So Scott, we're going to just continue as if, you know, you're from Maine and we're from parts all around the country here. And we're going to be talking more on attribution. So tell us about this middle part of the funnel thing. Like, why is it this black hole? Nobody knows what happens in it. So part of it is the time delay. But just to wonder if you have a middle funnel, if you have hidden middle funnel data yourself, go into good old Google Analytics and look at the last touch. You're going to find email, probably a 30 of conversions, SMS, if there's even tracking, maybe another 20, organic, 
direct, and then Google branded search. That's a lot of what's taking the credit when you're looking completely across every channel. And what all those have in common, it's extremely unlikely there weren't clicks before that led to that sale because all of them mean you're familiar with what whatever you're buying. Unless you're buying like a toothbrush or something super cheap that you're just gonna Google buy and get the hell out of, out of the web. So this middle funnel is the idea, What right before the bottom when you're really hot to trot to buy something, what's going on? And after you're minding your own business and someone targets you on Facebook and you're cold traffic, or you're just initially saying, hey, I might wanna grow my business. There's this middle area of consideration. There's stuff going on and you're researching, you're looking at competitors, you're consuming content, you're looking at reviews, all of those touch points there, my opinion are, is that is the hidden middle funnel. And that is where if you can track that sensibly, not tracking every single touch point and have to decipher 400 touch points, but if you can highlight the key ones, meaning when you put more effort on them and more dollars, they lead to more last click sales, then you know you've got, uh, that's our biggest latest innovation because everyone was suffering from it. And then everyone doesn't like attribution because you're the Facebook person. You're like, this is BS, all this email. And the email people are like, it's our great emails. Why do we need to spend so much on paid? And then search is like, what about all this search, branded search? And I was like, ah, branded search. But I was like, what about these long tail keywords? And I'm like, yeah, then I'm getting all this direct sales. And you're like, no, they happen because everyone has these arguments forever. So my thought was, how do we sensibly break it down into just three steps, top, middle, bottom, in a way that people can somewhat agree on but customize the hell out of it if they don't. Can I lob some grenades at you, Scott? No. Ralph, your turn. <laughs> you, you Time can, to throw a fist. You can say something. <laughs> so here, here's, I, I love what you said philosophically speaking, especially about let's identify the important touch points. Here's my issue practically, and, and maybe there's an answer for this. The attribution softwares that I've toyed with, nine out of 10 of them are all touch only. And I think touch-only attribution is garbage because view through attribution is so important. Maybe in many cases, more important. How to factor that in? Can you all track view through conversions? So we use Facebook's view through conversions and we pull them in. And then what we do is allow you to on the fly set Dude, are you? Call. I don't mean to pause you. Are you the only one that does that? Because that's a big deal. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. I didn't realize that. And so we... We allow you to do a confidence factor, 0, 25, 50, 75, or 100%. 100% we do call optimistic, 0% <laughs> we call stripped, 50% balanced, and then I got some buzzword for 75 and 25. But the idea is that views count, and it's very relative to what you're selling, what type of ads you're running, and how well your click performance mm. is doing. Because if you have like killer video ads at the bottom, which I know tier 11 does, I assume you must also at Soul 8. No, he doesn't do anything. They do zero creative. I'm just a data nothing, nerd. Nothing. But I appreciate your faith in me. <laughs> I did. I just faith by association. So Ralph has a great video ad at the bottom of the funnel. And we see the click row as it's already okay. You should probably accept the view as well because it's closing enough clicks, it's closing more views that are people that are viewed and then go in direct. That makes sense. And therefore I'd say take a higher percentage of those. And if it's a top of the funnel ad and you already got other touch points tracked, I wouldn't count much if any, maybe 25 or zero, maybe 25 if the video is like outstanding, but otherwise zero because if we see from your, we do these cold traffic conversion analysis, if we see it's normally 30 days or so, then you probably can't take a lot of view credit to funnel. Sorry. Yeah. Right so and that's the science there too, is you have to determine what you think or what you believe is attributable based off of user interaction and engagement. And that's the type of thing that you actually kind of need a marketing professional for, right? Either in-house or an agency, but that feels like it'd be tough for a business owner to do themselves. That's why we have guidance text and they can pick it and they can just change it on the fly and hit a button and it'll reattribute with the more or less percentage if they oh, that's cool. like or don't like what they see, frankly. And that reporting can be exported retroactive? Like I could go back a uh, uh, yeah. allocation? Yeah, you change it, whatever time frame you're looking at, you just change it and it mm -hmm. just changes it. And then we allow the bottom middle funnel time window days, you can change those numbers on the fly. So if you're e-com store, you want to only have a couple day last click, bottom of the funnel clicks count as towards last click you can just pick two three days and then you can do the middle funnel up to 30 days 
What happens now with Google Analytics because of the tracking or other solutions that are so last click focused, everyone just goes super right. wide last click mm -hmm. 28 days because right. you want the most tracking. But nobody's funnels 20, I don't know what I clicked 27 days ago. I don't even know. I was in Vegas. I don't know what the hell I did the last week. It's true. You're lucky you're even here. <laughs> but you don't know what you did a week ago. What the hell? We all have kids who love it. That approach, like the last click was done because people didn't have good enough data and they just did what they had to do. So now they, the technology is there where you can set what you really think the last consideration funnel should be because the middle funnel is going to be there to collect those other clicks that you've been trying to get your hands on so you mm. get credit. So you're splitting this up piecemeal. You're saying, what does it take to get people from the top to the middle? What does it take to get people from the middle to the bottom? What does it take to get people from the bottom to conversion? Instead of show me every little teeny tiny click along the way we're coming up with more or less, I'd say global trends, right? That way you can make marketing decisions. Exactly, because we looked at it like, how can we simplify? Because once we had all this data, we're like, oh, we got rid of this data, and we're like, we got to make it as easy as possible. And so this was a way that aligned with my decade in attribution, which I don't recommend for many people. I had meditation to mm -hmm. counterbalance that, because then we present a different view of the world and what people are seeing which is why they're paying us, but they immediately see it different and then they have all kinds of questions and don't like it, or then they like it. Once we've caught two buying cycles, we can ratchet up all the ROAS in the top and the middle, then people like it. Getting them to, but then you're saying, hey, you gotta wait two buying cycles. How long's that? How long do your buyers take? I don't know. So we go in and tell them. We go and look and say, okay, they take 20 days. So we need 40 days, then we'll be able to knock it Dude, out of the park. That's my favorite. Like, oh, so I have this conversation with customers all the time. To Ralph's point earlier, they're looking at a 30-day cycle. They're like, oh, we spent whatever, 50 grand in, in ads this month, and we didn't see the ROI. And in their onboarding, I'll say, what's your sales cycle? And we're talking like high-end SaaS or real estate or whatever. And the sales cycle is three months. And I'm like, do you hear your words? Like, do you understand just the physics of what we're discussing? How in the, like, in oh. what time machine having... But how is this possible? But they all stand. These are sophisticated business owners. These are and dude, you know what's so funny, actually, now that I'm just no. being mean? I do it myself. I'll email my do. business partner. I'm like, gosh, we spent, we boosted our ad spend 150 grand. I'm not seeing anything this month. And he has to talk to me off the ledger. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. not going to see it for the next six months. And that's just what it takes. Or what's your budget? Oh, I got unlimited budget as long as it's converting at $12 CPI. Yeah, me too. <laughs> hey, come on. Say the expression everybody says, I'll back up the truck. Oh man. Blended CPA is my other beef though, because all you get just ratchet up more spend at bottom of the funnel and then you're gonna pay for it yeah, downstream in a couple months, but you can track it. So I hate blended CPA. I just I don't like anything about it. So that's another reason why I did this was that I could break up and show percentage sales. If you pick like Facebook, the sales are usually uh, over half are top of the funnel. And then Google, it depends on the strategy. A lot of it could be more bottom of the funnel or middle. And then email and SMS crush it at the bottom. But because of the way we do those definitions, we start with a very tight bottom of the funnel. So that because the middle's not losing any of that trail for paid, people aren't stressed mm. out about it. At least they shouldn't be. You mentioned how important it is to have a CRM. What's your favorite CRM? Like if somebody doesn't have one, what do you put what do you put them on? Depends on your type of business. If you're the type of person that likes to do everything and have tons of cool tech and build your own objects and stuff. Entreport is actually is a really great one. We're B2B. We like HubSpot. HubSpot's good because it does everything. It does everything like eight out of 10. It does nothing mm. like perfect. Ecom, Clavio, Info, Active Campaign. And MailChimp's not bad. People like OmniSend. I used to love, personally love Infusionsoft, but I don't know with Keep. I haven't been in there in a long time, so I, I couldn't speak either way what it's doing. You, have you played with High Level at all? I haven't. I'm a big High Level fan. I'm their fourth largest affiliate, or I was for a long time. And I haven't even seen it inside of it. Dude, it's deadly, Scott. Like so. what? It's kind of what you said about HubSpot. Like it does everything in an eight out of 10. High Level gives you everything you need. doesn't have much that you don't. But for us, tracking and attribution has actually been really, really powerful inside of High Level. It's worth poking. And they're buddies of mine. So I like to mention them when I can. What type of, what's their like target? All agencies. You actually okay. have to be an agency to use high level. Jeez, I really need to talk to them because we our agency cohort's been our fastest growing because we now track middle funnel. Dude, I'll put you in touch with Sean. I bet you he'd really love to talk to you too. Y'all serve the same customer base. You should just go cross-pollinate each other. 
And that's a newer thing that well, you guys are agency owners. Agencies are more, it's more like you need some sort of tracking tool now. Where in the past it was like Facebook showing a million ROAS. Why do I want you to show mm-hmm. a lower ROAS? Yeah, well, agencies used to eat off of lies too, hey, is what it was. It's the reason yeah. for the reason there's 42,000 of us, Gossip. You think everybody can start an agency? Sure they can. It's a fun test for anybody who wants to. Go into any Starbucks anywhere in North America. And what you're going to find is a bunch of 20-something to 30-somethings on laptops. Bet money. One of them is an agency owner and one of them is a writer. Easy. You will not find those people. Yeah. No question. Yep. That's how you start your dickering. You go in and catch You just start dickering with them. Just that's tough the fun. And hopefully hey, one of their dogs pokes you in the dickering. <laughs> that's and right. then, no, it's something like, yeah, you pull something in line. You say, I bet you someone here, would you give me a coffee and like an egg sandwich if one of them's an agency? So <laughs> Boom. Then you're off. And you got to trade the coffee real quick before it gets cold. It's a good dicker. Or something. It's a fine it's dicker right there. So that's yeah. main dickering. This is what we're talking about. Although I don't Maine think anybody's Starbucks in Maine. So tell us something <laughs> that we don't know about attribution. Give us something maybe that no, you're a wicked reports shill. So we're just gonna we're just gonna say that. I think he's a shill. A shill is like a hidden shameless. Yeah. shameless, shameless plug for what does wicked reports do that nobody else does? Why do you think you're so good, Scott? I just did a comparison of us versus all our other competitors, and the biggest thing we do different. There's a couple. One is we use CRM data religiously. And that could be, we think that the CRM is a hub of everyone's business. And if you're not using that as part of your attribution modeling, you're leaving critical data on the table. And I was shocked to find we're the only ones that are really all in on CRM data. And we have been since the game. Wait a second. But it shocked me. Why wouldn't any of the other guys be in CRM? That doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, dude, I have an answer for that after Scott, because I have a conspiracy theory, but Scott, you first. Yeah, I was I was kind of shocked. It was hard. It was hard to do because we have to pull in all this data every day and then cross, not only have to track, but we have to cross-reference the clicks got against it. the CRM to then tell you different insights. So and you got to set up easy. the wicked hard. Right there. That's how you say hard, by the way. Hard. hard. Wicked hard. It's Matt uh, hard. Mm-hmm. What's your theory on it? Yes. All right. So I think that attribution software doesn't want to use CRM data because it holds attribution software to a higher level of accountability. What ends up happening is if I'm looking at attribution data standalone, say I pull up something like Hyros, Hyros only has to answer for the data set that it has in app, one, and two, it only needs to, there's nothing to reconcile against. So you pull it up and now you're like, okay, great. Ralph came in, clicked this, watched that, opened this email, bought, got it. Whereas if an attribution software were to open itself up to CRM integration, by necessity, it's opening itself up against or opening itself up to reconciliation. Because now I have to see what's in the attribution software, but then all the CRM applications, if they're tracking first party data and they should be, they're also basically doing something similar, although without the reporting. And now I'm like, wait a minute, my CRM says this, my attribution software says that, those are diametrically opposed, and now I don't know who to trust, and it's a hard conversation. And those conversations, I think it's actually better to have that, because you get to see where the tracking software can and can't track, where the CRM can and can't track, and where those holes are. But I think that it's it makes it more difficult. So it makes perfect sense to me that most attribution software would say, hey, I'm just not going to deal with this. We're going to go build a silo that is more or less unimpeachable. That's a fair point. I, it was tough. We do reconcile. Everything's transparent with us. We never really, re- we don't report our number we can't prove because we're asking you to bet your hard earned ad spend. And I know as an entrepreneur, how tough it is to always make the right move. So I gotta be able to look someone in the eye and say, based on everything we know as a software, we think you should do this. And so I don't want to just, I don't want to mislead people. So I only do it when I can Prove it. So tell me this. So if somebody doesn't use a third-party tool like Wicked Reports, we mentioned Hyros. They're getting free publicity here, but he just sold. So he's who cares about well, him? Can I just say that Hyros is garbage? It's UTM based. It's click based only. I've never liked Hyros's data ever. I've never. It's never worked. Yeah, we don't. We're not fans of it either. Triple Whale. Once again, we're also fans of Northbeam because it is a different market that they play in. It seems. But Scott, like, I'm an investor in Northbeam. By the way, if you wanted to intro to those guys, I don't know if they're too much of a competitor. If there's overlap, I'd be happy to make you guys. There's a 
the where I think we're pretty much a direct competitor. Oh, well, I'll leave it alone. Actually, then. I don't want to make things awkward. I don't want to awkwardize <laughs> your email inbox. We were we were, oh, su- we were supposed we were to meet with Austin last time he was in Boston, but anyway, oh, we'll, really? we'll figure that out. Do but anyway. San Franciscans and Bostonians like that? Feels very. They like each other. We're sister cities. Sort of, kind of, sort of, yeah. yeah. Wow, they're just so different from a personality perspective. Pseudo-intellectual. A little bit more edgy in San Francisco than the rest of California, though. It's a little bit more Uh, nor'east. So if somebody didn't have any of these, like, what's the best solution? Obviously, you want to say Wicked Reports. Fine. But let's say I'm a business owner. I want the source of, well, we always say the source of truth is the CRM, right? That's your ultimate source of truth. That's where everyone's buying everything, unless you have offline conversions, or you're making a sale on the phone or whatever it happens to be that as it may. What is the best sort of hack together solution without a third party tool? Or is it just so absolutely necessary to have a third party tool in today's environment? I think what you're spending 20K, 30K, you need a third party tool. I think under that, you can maybe get by. Google Analytics is okay if for last touch. You could put some convoluted UTMs and capture them in your form and jam them in your CRM to at least capture why people are filling out your forms. I've not seen very good tracking inside a CRM, so though I'm biased, but like Clavios mm-hmm. is really yeah. rough. Like we have a way to import Clavios captured UTMs, but they're always like brutal. Like in you can't even decipher what the term is. What's the source? The source is calm, it'll say. What does that mean? All kinds of weird stuff in there. Shopify's UTMs are pretty rough. Plus, they're just trying to capture it right at the very end. So it's usually email or SMS. You're in a pickle because you can't... Also, if you're spending that low amount of money, you got to worry more about getting an offer that converts. Is because without an offer, attribution is just going to tell you your offer sticks. <laughs> You don't need it. It's not really great insight. If you can't scale to where you're spending 15, 20K a month, you got to worry about that before you worry about it. Your tracking isn't going to suddenly get you to 20K in ad spend, I would, is my opinion from mm-hmm. what I've seen. The ad platform, I use the ad platform okay. reporting. Yeah. Better than nothing. Which is not bad, especially if it's meta. Delayed 72 That's hours. Right. Then I mean, models. how much better can it be? Like each. The model says, oh, if the sales suck, show better. <laughs> this doesn't look as good. They're going to drop their ad spend. I think I'll model some more conversions <laughs> for these guys so we don't lose their revenue. It's unbelievable. So really, that that is that tipping point, about 20K a month in ad spend. Because at that point, you're like, okay, I, with a tool like Wicked Reports or any of the others, all people are looking for is where do I spend my time? Where and on what do I spend my time on? Or maybe I spend my time on all three or four or five different things, but at least with a third-party tool, you can focus in on the areas that are going to ultimately drive your business. And I would agree with that. And the top and middle is where you should use those Mm -hmm. at. Because the bottom, people are buying your stuff. You already got a viable business. You're spending a thousand bucks a day or more. People are already, your pipeline, your automations, they're working somewhat because you keep getting this flow. So it's about getting more people down there. Yeah, you're still always going to worry about it. You've already probably got emails and texts that convert or re- abandoned cart stuff that you two set up for them that probably kills it. But you got to get them to mm-hmm. abandon the cart. So spend it on top and middle to get them to the abandon. Then all your stuff takes over and just knocks it out of the park. So I would focus there. Plus, because the opportunity, everyone that's looking at ad manager, these audiences don't look good in top and middle. Unlikely less likely to look profitable because they're not, the model can only lie so much in the ad manager. Can't, can't lie its way out of conversions that take a month to right. convert. That's the sweet spot, which I think is a good benchmark for anybody who's listening to the show here, because I think we've got, at what point do you, like none of these softwares are cheap, although you guys are pretty, pretty affordable versus some of the competitors that are out there. What is Wicked Reports? Do you mind me asking? It's a couple hundred bucks a month, right? Uh, starts 500. at 500, goes up. 500 for 50,000 contacts. Okay. And then it goes up. We price based on people track. Yeah, but one half of 1% increase in efficiency uh, and you just paid for this. So I'm not trying to show Wicked Reports. I guess what I'm trying to do is- Yes, you are. I should yes, get an affiliate are. commission here, Ralph. Don't you think? This feels- Not allowed. All, the, all that money goes to me. Yeah. We don't have listen attribution yet. Sorry. You can dicker for it. Let's see you dicker for the yeah, affiliate right, right now. Let's hear it. Give me your sales pitch. <laughs> My sales pitch, all right. Bring over one solid customer. They pay five grand. They won't pay again until we show 25K in wow. value. 
All That's right. I'm going to just, if you're a Solutions A customer and you're listening and you want to take Scott up on this offer, let us know. It's brand. It's a brand new offer we just launched. I went through 100 million offers by Harmozy. Mm-hmm. The guy's a genius. Should have him on the show. It's unbelievable. And I don't have an offer. I don't even have a good offer. Ours is just, hey, mm-hmm. we know how to track shit, which mm-hmm. is dumb. I made a bad mistake. And I see Hyros with it. We have better software. Can I show you a sexy screenshot? I was going to ask people where they can find you. So we might as well shill Wicked Reports even more with a screenshot here now that we're on YouTube. We're talking about Funnel Vision. This is a live e-commerce customer. And all he does is sell stuff. Shopify store Clavio. He's got known. His nurturing is emailing people almost every day. Please come buy my stuff with the unique offers. And so the top, middle, bottom, this is Facebook. And this line, this top means click happened from Facebook before they were in Clavio and the sale occurred in the state range. And then the middle funnel is they were already in Clavio, but it wasn't at the bottom yet, which in this case is two days. So three days plus already in Clavio sales. And then this is last two days clicked and bought. And then look at the percentage. Look at the percentage difference here. Two thirds of the sales wow. are literally top of the. And then you can scroll through and see by campaign, you can get down to ad level, top of the funnel revenue versus middle versus bottom. You see here, there's sometimes astronomical top That's of the funnel. That's pretty there. cool. Explain so, that top part again, just in the three stages. So, that, like you're, because you're toggling the left hand column as well to 30 days for middle of funnel and then two days or bottom of funnel. Like you're, is that sort of the standard setting here or is that just because you know this funnel and you typically how it works? No, that's okay. the standards that mm-hmm. we have set up. You can change it on the fly. And then the top, this line above is always click was not in any first party data system. Shopify, Woo, Recharge, Clavio, Active Campaign, on and on. This means we for sure know they were top because of that. So they might have been retargeting. There might have been two to four clicks mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Tough to say, but it means until they committed. So we still have our other unique models, but the goal was, can we have one view to do the funnel and you don't need any attribution models. You can just horse around with your filters and you literally have everything you need. And this is Facebook That's, only. Uh, what we did. As I see on the left-hand side. No, be it can it be wherever. wherever. So you're, you know. But I'm saying in this example, in this screen share, it's Facebook this only. View. Okay because I wanted to show mm-hmm. our views here. So here's our views. So see 100% optimistic. These are our guidances. We talked about that already. And then we'll change this dollar value as I pick different stuff. So right now I'm 100% view for this particular person. And then universe repeat because I subscribe. Oh, the subscription sales, those will automatically filter in here. There's subscriptions. A few people did Lobster tail mm-hmm. subscriptions, most powerful subscription model, getting food, live food delivered on subscription. Pretty good. For those of you not Couple. watching this on YouTube, we will leave screenshots in the show notes as well, just so you can get an idea here. We have been talking, obviously, third-party attribution, and now we're inside of Wicked Reports here, but it is actually, it's pretty cool. This is brand new. Funnel Vision, which is a great name, by the way, trademarked and copyrighted, right? Yes, trademarked and copyrighted. Yes. That'll still stop nobody from stealing it, but it's cool that you can sue them. (laughs) Zach Johnson will be coming to steal that name soon. Anyway. Oh, name <laughs> dropping the old affiliate guys from way back oh, when. Good old Zach. So obviously, where can people find you? I would have to assume it's wickedreports.com or is there a better place to find good smart tips from Scott DeGrossier? That's the best spot to find me. We got live chat on the site. You never know. I might be manning it. If not, my brother is a lot. Tramp stamp guy? My brother, oh. my, I mean... Out of the no, no. <laughs> no, my brother, not tramp stamp guy. <laughs> okay, got it. My brother has a Pates tattoo. A Pates tattoo. Well, that is cool. Get myself a bees tattoo. Absolutely. Cool. So wickedreports.com. And oh, yeah, you're like the CEO lurking guy. I love that. We even have a Slack channel where you're in there all the time. I'm like, holy crap, Scott's doing stuff. Yeah, that's our agency thing. We offer Slack. We'll get in there. We'll deal with whatever, you know, yeah. however we can support you. Agency talk tracks is a big one. We say, here's yeah. what to tell a client. Just tell them this. This is what we'd say. Yeah, and it's pretty badass. And we hope it works. Pretty badass. <laughs> All right. And the <laughs> wicked good Scott DeGrassier offer again is what? Is you're going to pay us 5K. You don't pay again until we make you back 25. And either wasted ad spend identified or 
revenue that you can ad spend that you can then that's a five x ROI there. And it should be in 60 days. Yeah. <laughs> this is goodwill hunting stuff going on. That being that close to have it yeah. is clearly just oh, like, yeah. well, it's the kid's wicked smile. What can I say? Oh my God. Uh, all right. Well, very cool. We'll get that offer over <laughs> at wickedreports.com. Everyone, thanks for listening. We will leave links in the show notes for everything that we mentioned here as well as a couple of screenshots, but uh, check us out over. I'm saying this in advance of us being on YouTube, by the way, Kasim, because we have a new video editor and it's going to be on YouTube <laughs> shortly. It's your show. I trust you. Absolutely. Yeah. We could just uh, false advertising all the way through here. But make sure that uh, wherever you do listen to two podcasts, subscribe and leave a rating. Make sure you subscribe and leave a rating and say something nice. Say something not so... We enjoy the not so nice comments sometimes, actually, just more than the nice comments. But if you want to help the show get better, head on over to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Easy for me to say, perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Let us know what we can do better. Follow me over on LinkedIn. That's Ralph Burns and Kasim on Twitter at Kasim Muslim. Go back and listen to previous episodes, especially the ones with Scott. And uh, all resources and show notes, like I said, are at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Muslim. Peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic 